Welcome to Ormwood Church in Atlanta, Georgia, and to our podcast where we share our Sunday sermons for those in Ormwood Park, Atlanta, and beyond. Our mission is to welcome everyone to explore the living God in all of our neighborhoods, and we value welcoming others, opening our minds, being of service, and participating in whatever ways God calls us. We hope you learn, grow, and find a place to belong with us. So today's sermon comes from um, Letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. So listen now for a word from God. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to one another, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So our Advent series that we will be starting next week, I don't know where time is gone, but it has the theme, Stay Awake. And this comes from the first scripture reading of the season on which I'll preach next week. It's an apocalyptic passage that calls us to stay awake, looking for signs of God around us. This is a common call for the season of Advent. We are meant to be looking everywhere for the inbreaking of God. This all culminates in our being a bit shocked that God appears in the form of a baby to a family of no standing in a country occupied by the Roman Empire. So we will spend a month of December staying awake to God's arrival. But in some ways, today's sermon at the end of our rest series is also a stay awake type of sermon. In fact, just verses before this passage that we read for today in Ephesians, the writer calls to its readers, sleeper, awake. This passage asks us to pay attention. The writers of Ephesians, perhaps it's the Apostle Paul or someone in his group of followers, is reaching out to the church in Ephesus, concerned that they are spending their time and their morality just willy-nilly. We are offered kind of a binary by the author, right? There are the wise and the unwise, the wise and the foolish, those who are creating songs of their life and those who are numbing and acting without consequence. And don't think I didn't feel a bit convicted that there's a direct reference to wine. And this entire binary is set under this framework of being careful with how we spend our time. The writer of Ephesians is asking the community to be discerning about how they spend their time, making the most of it, or as the ESV translates it, making the best use of our time. So I want to pause at that word discernment that I just used. Because I really think this passage is asking that task of us. The Christian tradition would call this type of being careful that we find in Ephesians as discernment. It's a classic Christian practice. Generically, it means you have this ability to judge well. But the definition of our faith adds a layer to that definition, mainly that the end goal is towards godliness, towards goodness, toward being who God created you to be. So discernment is setting aside that time to thoughtfully and prayerfully determine your path forward. 
And our Ephesians author would like that path to be towards singing songs of gratitude to God instead of songs of debauchery and drunkenness. So there are traditional spiritual practices that people over the centuries have embodied to practice discernment. And all of them include that important word spiritual or spirit, because discernment is always a listening to the spirit, the bit of the divine inside of us that wants, you know, to party with God and not with the foolish. These practices can be as informal as simply praying, setting aside time and space to sit with God, but they can also be very, very formal, right? We have St. Ignatius from the 15th century who mapped out this daily examine that people would embark on. It's one of those practices that we offered in our restful time last week. And it involves four steps of sitting with God and practicing gratitude, reviewing your day, and finally reflecting on ways forward with God. But there's another formal way of discernment, and that's by finding and processing things with a spiritual director. So this person listens deeply to you as you explore your purpose and your vocation and your friendship with God and where the spirit is acting in your life. And if you've ever emailed me asking to see a therapist, I have emailed you back a PDF that has counselors and spiritual directors because over the centuries before therapists, spiritual directors really offered that space of discernment when you were struggling But discernment is often done in community too. The amazing Quakers have committees that set up to help people make, you know, the most of their time. And they're called clearness committees. I love that name, clearness committees. And they offer this like space of active listening. They mirror back what you're saying and they ask open-ended questions, trusting that the spirit is actively discerning in you at the time. And all of this is just to say that Christians have always taken seriously the gift of time that we've been given on earth, echoed in that Ephesians passage today. We know that we are made for a life of gratitude and praise, and we are offered ways to discern that, and we're encouraged to practice these care-filled ways of living. But there are barriers to discernment, right? And as we wrap up our series on rest, I hope you see how making time for rest is actually wrapped up in how discerning we are with our time in general. The barriers to being thoughtful about our time are not surprising. I think for some of us, we're so busy that we do not actually pause long enough to look around us and discern the rush of things we're doing. We're like caught up in this mass kind of performance of life, crushed up against this whole lot of expectations and busyness, and our calendars might look a lot like a mall at Christmas. The title for this passage in Ephesians is Renounce the Pagan Ways. Now, the titles that you find in the Bible are not actually in the original text themselves. Do not be fooled. They are this layer of interpretation that later editors like HarperCollins or Zondervan um, like to add. And there are many talented scholars working on this, but they're a bit biased. And they add these texts as kind of signals to help you know you're jumping from one topic to another. Anyway, whenever you see these headings in scripture, just know you're being told what the editors think the passage is about. So that being said, I do actually particularly love the title for this passage, Renounce the Pagan Ways. So pagan in the Greek often simply means the masses, right? This big clump of humanity, the mob, the undiscerning masses, that mall at Christmas, right? This passage is about the difficult necessity of pulling yourself out of the masses and the push and the pull involved in that 
to start discerning your own steps. We are not just a cog in a wheel. We are not just living this life on autopilot. We are actually a note in a beautiful song, our passage reminds us. Renounce the masses that tell you otherwise. Renounce that cluttered calendar that keeps you from pausing to listen to the real melody of the Spirit. Now, another barrier to discernment around how we spend our time are all of those shoulds in your life as well. This might land a bit too close to home when we go into people-pleasing mode. I had a boss that told me once, don't should on yourself. I wrote it on my calendar. (laughs) But discerning the difference between what we should do and what is expected of us by others and what is essential or wise to do, man, that can be difficult. So, so difficult. It really does take time and a bit of courage to pull apart what God wants for you and what other people want from you. Sometimes those things overlap beautifully, but sometimes they don't. Some of you have heard me say this before, but when the kids were littler, Chris and I had to have this serious conversation about how much of our time we were willing to spend at birthday parties. They were in some way taking over our weekend family time, our social batteries, and some things we wanted to do together couldn't get done because we had yet another six-year-old birthday party at the climbing gym. So we decided and gently explained to the kids that it's so great all their friends have birthdays, but that if we went to all the parties of all their classmates, it would be like 25 parties a year. So we told them if we had not heard them talk about the friend at home or that person wasn't discussed as a friend in our house previously, we were not going to attend the birthday party. Saying yes to all the invitations meant that we were saying no to having our weekend be restful and meaningful in the ways we needed as a family. I mean, they understood it to the extent small children can, but guess what? No one died. (laughs) And I also was required to spend a lot less time in small talk, so everybody wins. I don't actually know what your discernment struggle is. Perhaps that's not about cutting things out. Perhaps you need to discern what you need to add to your calendar in order to perhaps stop drinking or more generally numbing or avoiding life and to start engaging with life and singing and gratitude with that song of Ephesians. Perhaps you need to spend less time alone and more time in community. Maybe you need to say yes to a small group or calling up your friend or volunteering your skills at Nicholas House. Maybe you need to say yes to getting a spiritual director or yes to volunteering to sing in our church's actual hymns and songs, not just the ones in Ephesians. Maybe you need to say yes to weekly worship. Yes to carving out an hour on Sunday mornings to pause and discern and remove yourself from the masses and enter the kingdom of God instead. Discernment is one of the main practices of worship. I mean, you have songs and prayers and words of wisdom that call you to embody the care and wisdom and gratitude and joy that the Spirit's calendar marks. But what we cannot do is to blindly live these important lives without reflection, right? As we've seen from the algorithms of social media, companies are more than happy to have you uncritically spend your time and attention on their products and their priorities. And sometimes it's a bit closer to home. Other people, even people we love dearly, are happy to have us spend our time in ways that unreflectively benefit their call in life instead of ours. What we cannot do is go on autopilot and think we won't crash at some point. 
In the Christian life, crashing isn't the end of the world. In fact, we're fairly convinced that from death comes new life, but crashing also is not a spiritual practice. It's a result of living in a world that shouts competing demands and requires consistent, thoughtful, spirit-filled discernment. It requires what my therapist often prescribes to me when I say I'm anxious is a date with my calendar to do some discernment. She just happens to be one of those Quakers I was talking about earlier. So today we're going to make space and worship to do some discernment. In particular about our time, we're going to have a date of sorts with our calendars. And I actually made y'all handy dandy worksheets because I'm often someone who needs to write out in real time what is going on in my head. So we're going to spend about eight minutes reading through and filling out this worksheet, prayerfully discerning what activities need more reflection. And you'll notice that this worksheet doesn't have a specific prompt about rest. At least it doesn't to the undiscerning eye. So what I'd like everyone to do, the first thing you are to write in the first prompt of the worksheet called essential activities is to write the word rest. As an act of faithfulness, and perhaps that song of gratitude Ephesians asked us to sing, I want you to boldly write rest as in the essential activity space first. Because life is full of possibility. That line in our passage, to make the most of time, is not a directive of obligation. It is itself a song of gratitude. Our time holds the most of possibilities, the most of rest and of joy and of community. It is not meager. It is bountiful. So go into this time and be discerning how you are living into it. Amen. So I wanted to add um, for y'all who are listening on the podcast, just a little overview of that worksheet, right? So I gave it the tile wise comma, making the most of the time. And the first prompt is for people to write out their essential activities that you can't live without for better or worse, right? So eating, sleeping, drinking, water, community, work, all of those things that are essential to not just surviving, but thriving, right? And like I asked in the sermon, rest goes at the beginning of that list. The next block um, are activities that occur but you need to reevaluate them for their purpose and place in your life. What are those things that are that you're doing, perhaps frequently, perhaps somewhat frequently, that really every time you do it, you you feel uncomfortable or you wonder like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Or man, I'm not super great at this. I wonder if there's a more efficient way to do it. That goes in that column. And then the next prompt is activities that you know are making you sing those sad, debaucherous songs instead of making a great godly melody, right? Obviously, I'm playing with those words from Ephesians for this prompt. And then underneath that, activities that would feel like a glad and godly melody if you could just make the time, if you could discern a way forward to add them. And then finally, do you need to ask for help with some of your essential activities? And if yes, which ones and who or what? could help with that. We had someone walk up to me after church and she just started a new job and it's um, it's a lot right now. And she said, you know, if I just have someone help keep my house clean, um, I really feel like I would have more time to take a breath. So just some ideas, just a worksheet, 
if you would like to answer some of those prompts to do a little bit of discernment.